The following is an exclusive presentation of Pirate Radio, the voice of the Pirate Nation. Welcome to the Pirate Radio Podcast, featuring special guests discussing a wide range of topics and personal stories. Now, inside the Pirate Radio studio, here's your host, Jonathan Ellerby. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Pirate Radio Podcast. Super excited to talk to our guest today because his family has been serving up delicious Eastern North Carolina barbecue since 1947. Sam Jones is a third-generation barbecue pitmaster who has taken the family name and business to new heights. Sam has written a book documenting his family history, traditions, recipes, and more. Sit back and relax because another fun episode of the Pirate Radio Podcast starts right now. All right, welcome in to another great edition of the Pirate Radio Podcast. Excited for my guest in studio with me today, the one and only uh, Sam Jones of Sam Jones Barbecue and Skylight Inn fame. Uh, Sam, thanks for taking the time to join us today. Man, I appreciate you having me in. I uh, picked up a copy of your book, Whole Hog, Whole Hog Barbecue, The Gospel of Carolina Barbecue, and uh, man, I couldn't put it down. I enjoyed it. It's uh, really cool stuff. I want to go back and spend more time with the recipes in it, but uh, the, the stories and everything in it, I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, why did you decide to write a book? Uh, that got born during uh, Big Apple Barbecue of 2015, and uh, a gentleman that I had known for a, a few years who was uh, an agent for not only books but some some film as well asked me to go to dinner with a colleague of his who was also a mutual friend, and so we go to dinner and get done with dinner, and we're just sitting there chewing the fat, and he said, Sam, you ever thought about writing a book? And I looked at him, I said, David, I sit in the point of writing the books to sell it. Yes. <laughs> Who would want to buy mine? And uh, he goes, man, I think you're selling yourself a little short. And so we had some subsequent conversations. And by the fall of that, the end of that year, uh, I had signed an agreement with him. And by, I would say, the first part of 16, he had you know, a handful of offers from different publishing companies, which kind of blew my hair back. Right. And so... Uh, it got down between um, Ten Speed Press, who was who I chose, and Anthony Bourdain's publishing company, was the final two that we were kind of juggling back and forth. And uh, Ten Speed's who we went with, and it was a it was a pleasure working with them. Uh, we, we've talked many times off the air. I mean, you're you're a great storyteller and and able to recount history, and of course, telling the the history of your family. Uh, I, I'm sure, I imagine the recipes were were easy to get your hands. Was it hard to actually? sit down and, and kind of piece it all together? What, what, what was the, the hardest part of doing the book and, and the best part of doing the book? Uh, well, I'm more proud of the stories than I am the recipes because a lot of stories that people otherwise wouldn't know. Um, Daniel Vaughn, who helped me so much, he's the editor of Texas Monthly, uh, the barbecue editor of Texas Monthly, I should say. And he and I have been friends for years. And so he was naturally who I reached out to to help me lay it out. I'm I'm endowed with the gift of gab, but to put everything in a format where it's you know legible and draws your reader and all that kind of stuff was was his forte. And also to help me, I always say in Eastern North Carolina, it takes us 17 words to say five. <laughs> and so uh, when, when you write a book, it's got to be concise. And so that was probably the most painful part is you pull up that working Word document where there's probably four people that has access to strike and add things and every time you open it somebody has struck something right that you have put in it and um but other than that 
uh, making sure I had it right, I would say, was probably the most. I had my first panic attack as a result of writing that book. Yeah, I bet. Um, I bet. Uh, a lot of compliments of, of folks that uh, wrote in your book. Uh, you know, uh, Vivian Howard, the uh, famous chef from Chefs and the Farmer, said it's uh, a book of barbecue scripture. So uh, really telling the story of uh, Eastern North Carolina barbecue and, and telling the story uh, of your family's history. And, and I found that part fascinating of how your family got started in the barbecue business and just learning so much more than just enjoying your great food for so many years but but learning the history behind it i found was was really cool you know you were talking about those that wrote blurbs in it and um when my publisher you know said look you need about 10 or 12 people to write blurbs and you know they're always looking for influential people and i said well i don't want anybody to write a blurb in my book that i can't send a text message to that's a good point and so uh I think they undersold it a little bit. I've been very fortunate in my travels to make friends with people that folks look up to, and uh, maybe our uh, business is what brought us together, but our friendship will surpass long after we're out of the restaurant business. And so from Vivian to Ashley Christensen, um, God, I'm trying to think, Ryan Pruitt from um, Pesh in New Orleans, uh, man, who... Andrew Zimmern, I think, wrote one, and uh, one that he was actually out of the country and missed the deadline, but Danny Meyer of Union Square Hospitality and Jake Shack and all of that um, is a colleague, and he was going to write a blurb, but we just he simply missed the deadline. Oh, man, very cool. It's a lot of cool stuff. We're talking to Sam Jones. He's our special guest today on the Pirate Radio Podcast, and uh, let's just talk about the history. Let's talk about how did the Joneses get started in in the barbecue business? Because I think when you say the name Pete Jones, that's kind of the, the, the person that kind of got it all started. Yeah, well, it would actually go back one generation before him. Um, his, his mother uh, was a dentist prior to marrying uh, John Jones, her husband. And she had two brothers, John Bill and Emmett Dennis. Both of them ran cafes. Both of them sold barbecue a block from each other and they didn't get along oh wow and so uh my granddaddy went to work for emmett who also farming was his um uh, where he gained his wealth from he was a very wealthy man came through the depression with credit more so than money and uh i mean in the 50s this was a guy that was farming in excess of 150 acres of tobacco which was a big deal back sure then. yeah absolutely and uh well, Pitt County was, what, one of the largest or the largest producing tobacco areas in the world? Yeah, uh, for sure. I mean, just, just Eastern North Carolina in general mm-hmm. was uh, huge in flu-cured tobacco. Right. Uh, there were cigarette companies that would use uh, North Carolina as a kind of a chest pumping that our cigarettes are made with North Carolina flu-cured, uh, flu-cured tobacco. Right. Uh, and so it was a big deal. And but he went to work with him at a very very young age, uh, neighborhood of six seven years old, uh, because he had to lay out of school to work. Right. And uh, so he learned the craft from Emmett Dennis, and at somewhere around the age of sixteen seventeen years old was when he built and opened Skylight Inn, uh, which is nuts to think of a teenager 
going into business for yourself right but uh i mean and he started it and officially i guess in 1947 and i guess one of the things that always stands out in the book is uh he said if it's not cooked with wood it's not barbecue that's kind of the the big theme of of skylight and your family's history of whole hog barbecue barbecue well uh, if you go back to the origins of barbecue that was the only heat source mm-hmm. and so that's that's where it was born and uh i i made a comment on a book stop last year that you know once upon a time people cooked hogs in the ground simply dig a hole put something to span that pit and laid a hog on it sometimes it was tree limbs for instance and i said after all these generations our family has evolved about three foot above grade (laughs) (laughs) into block pits (laughs) that's pretty good tell tell me about pete jones so he started as a as a teenager and uh how, how did it become popular source of food for people to come eat barbecue in Aiden. Oh, when he first opened, he sold everything uh, from hamburgers to hot dogs, beer. There were speakers on top of the restaurant. And I wouldn't even refer to it as a restaurant. It was a true joint. Was it the Skylight Inn when he first opened it? Yeah. Okay, uh, so it's always been the Skylight Inn. There was an airstrip on that farm next door. Okay. And uh, Skylight's where it's at because that was the original family farm. Okay. The land was free. And incidentally, that was the main road at the time. That was NC-11. Sure. Um, but there was a small airstrip where guys had little single-engine planes. And while they were putting the roof on the original building, uh, one of my great uncles landed his plane, and he walked over to where construction was taking place and asked my granddaddy, was there going to be a skylight in the building? Because there was a couple gaps where the sheeting just hadn't been uh. complete. Conversation got had, and I guess as a teenager, they thought it was cool. And so my dad always says he think he thought we could have done better, but that's what we got. <laughs> right. <laughs> so so it evolved it evolved from a cafe to just uh, the, the barbecue place we know it as. What today. that name does do is get us about three or four calls a week asking for vacancies. Oh wow, that is true. <laughs> I guess people maybe think is, that might not be bad. A little barbecue and bed and breakfast right, there exactly. in, in in Aiden, North Carolina. So, uh, but your grandfather was a remarkable story. I guess kind of worked there pretty much his his whole life. Yeah, he uh, was pretty much chained to that place for 57 years. Uh, and a lot of it was because of his own mindset. Uh, he came from a generation that, uh, well, one was a depression child, but from a generation of, you know, and I hate to use the, word, the term self-made because nobody's self-made. Everybody has had somebody to extend them some help at some point in time mm-hmm. if you've achieved anything in life. But in his mind, you know, he was almost like the mafia don in our family nothing happened without him sanctioning it giving it the blessing right and to the point of him i didn't realize it in my youth but in my adult life as i reflect back on it something as small as the chicken sauce i don't know how many times i made that chicken sauce and we didn't use measuring cups and those type of things and we might use a 12 ounce cup and have roughly 12 ounces in it but every time i made that sauce you would top it off at the end with a half a gallon of vinegar and i don't know a single time if i stopped pouring it that he said you need to put a little more or he would hit my hand and go whoa 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 whoa, you're putting too much and that sounds very minute or minuscule but it was a way of almost saying that you don't have the abilities i have and that was the case with even my dad my uncle everybody in that restaurant he wanted to be the top dog and that was the way he went about it 
but what that did was almost created a handicap for everybody else right and so people would come in and i mean we were capable of doing whatever people would come in and say pete you ever take a vacation well i can't get out of here uh, you know nobody wants to work and it was like this like mental game of putting everybody down to where i want to let you know that i'm about two rungs ahead of you on this ladder and unfortunately what that did was created a a bad thing because i mean he hadn't cooked hogs in 15 years when he when he got sick and had to get out of the restaurant right but he was a fixture in there Mm -hmm. where people came in they were used to seeing him he ran the front pretty much i guess exactly and so i mean don't get me wrong he was capable of doing anything right but it was almost a almost like the you know the old stories of where they didn't want slaves to learn how to read where they couldn't get off the farm Mm -hmm. and but basically like his ceiling was your ceiling nobody's going to overachieve him or out achieve him and what happened was is he ran that business uh in the 80s is when skylight really well if you back up to the 60s is when they transitioned to just barbecue okay and uh, in the 80s is when they started garnering some attention and uh it's funny because it it came by way of a book called Back Roads America. And uh, for years, my granddaddy always, I mean, I, and I regurgitated it for the longest time until really starting to travel and, you know, realize that there's some things that don't matter and that you can be fact-checked these days pretty quick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I heard forever and ever, you know, family tradition barbecue since 1830, National Geographic said we had the best barbecue in the country in 1980, and there wasn't nothing to substantiate that. And I even share in the book that right. that dome sits on top of that building based on that story. That's what I was going to ask you. The, the, the silver dome, y'all have a replica of what yeah. the U.S. Capitol looks like on top of the Skylight Inn. Yeah. And tell that story. Why, why is that the case? So my granddaddy processed that visit from those people writing that book back roads america as he's got the best barbecue in the country well nowhere in that book does it say that <laughs> it just simply says that that was the last place they went right you know like they achieved what they wanted to achieve maybe in their minds that was the best barbecue or that was simply the last place they wanted to go i don't know but he started saying that and bear in mind you and i also share in there that he gave those guys t-shirts when they left that had on the t-shirt barbecue capital of the world meaning aid north carolina he was touting that long before they came right but what i do think is is that was the first time that that man had went to work every day for 40 some years and that was the first time somebody thought it was special and you know you you go to work every day do what you do but for it to be recognized uh is a big deal right outside of that's right some local circles and so my dad had the idea to hey we got the capital barbecue even though nobody said that but us right let's put a replica of the dome when we and they were getting ready to do some um some remodeling to expand it because business was picking up based on the attention they were getting and so uh either he was extremely ignorant or a good marketer at the time a little bit of both i, mean, I would say both but on a daily basis there's somebody standing in that parking lot taking a selfie right 
Uh, <laughs> it's, I think it's a unique landmark. I mean, it kind of adds to the building of, of, I mean, it's a cool, older, unique building when you go, but when you look up, it's like, it's like, oh man, what it, 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 it adds a story to the barbecue. I mean, kind of like food has a story. I mean, I think that makes the food always better. Oh yeah. And, you know, Skylight, when it was built, you know, now when you build a restaurant, you know, just like when I opened Sam Jones, we had a, a communications company that helped us you know, find what our identity was going to be and, and how to tie Skylight and Sam Jones together. That's why it's called Sam Jones. I didn't even want it to be called Sam Jones. Uh, but that was the only, my name was the only thing that could tie the two entities together. Right. And, um, but in 1947, there weren't no branding company. Sure. And so that place has an identity that's evolved over time that I don't think could ever be recreated. It's really amazing for a business to be in business that long since 1947 and being oh, yeah. and, and really you said since the 60s when they converted just to you know barbecue and and slaw and cornbread and and i mean the menu is very simple but it's very consistent and very good every time and and has stood the test of time yeah and we've made a few additions to the menu in recent years but for i would say the first hard 60 years was uh well especially i would say after the 60s so for a good 40 years when you pulled up there it wasn't what you wanted. It was how much of it. You're obviously uh, started your own restaurant. We'll get to that in a little bit. But I guess you grew up working at the Skylight Inn. You talk about that some in some some of the ways. How did you end up knowing that that barbecue was going to be your destiny of uh, continuing on as as a third generation person in the Jones family? Um, man, I hated that place growing up. I'm talking about. I might as well have been in a jail cell in Alcatraz. Did you resent it, or you just didn't like it? Well. In our family, I mean, we were a working family. So you were either going to work there on the farm, at the horse farm. Your hind end was going to work somewhere. Right. You just weren't going to hang out. No. And uh, we didn't do no bike riding in the neighborhood. We went to work. And um, and I would say I would, as a, in my youth, I probably resented that more so than the actual restaurant business for the fact that I was being made to do something that I didn't want to do. Uh, I appreciate it now, but uh, I left Skylight and went to work with one of my dad's former business partners in a gun and pawn shop for a few years. And uh, my first semester, I was going to Pitt Community College with an intention of transferring to ECU for a business admin. And the, that first, it was the first or second semester, and I really think this this English teacher was more so sizing up you know how bright these students were and but one of the first assignments was you know give us it was 10 or 15 pages on whatever you want to write it on and in an effort to not use a lot of effort i said i'm gonna write it on barbecue right that'll Some, be easy something that was you just knew like the back of your hand that's right and uh you know as you go through and which there was a lot of family lure in the stories when before i knew better uh but as i started putting pen to paper and realized that, you know, this wasn't a job to my folks. It was a way of life. Uh, no different than a farmer. He don't count his time. Right. They're not on the clock. Nope. It's we do what has to be done when it needs to be done and for however long it takes to get it done. And for generations it had been that way. And I thought, man, this is a, you know, a, a legacy. And, and I said this on a film one time, but. You know, a legacy is not a legacy if it's unrealized. It can easily go away. Um, there's no business above closing. 
and um we experienced that too but um i would credit that as for my return and really seeing it for something other than simply a job yeah i mean we're we're in business here and and we deal with a lot of folks that are in family businesses and i'll get your take on it i mean how how hard is it to be in a family business particularly the way you just described how headstrong your grandfather was but not only that but you but your dad and then you also had uncles that worked in it too so how hard was it to be sam jones and and be in the family business and then kind of break through and 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 kind of you know work your way up to being respected i guess well i don't I don't ever want to portray my grandfather in a bad light because he was a great man and a good man to a lot of people. Uh, I would say the family suffered more than anybody. But you know him and my great uncle, who was one of his partners as well in the farm and the restaurant, and I guess it was their generation, but they didn't look at me and you no different than they did a plow or a tractor or a refrigerator. You know, when you quit working, we'll get we'll get another one that does. Right. And I would say they look more at the family like that than other employees. And so my contributions was no different than if you worked there. Mm-hmm. Uh, they didn't. So Sam Jones or Jonathan Ellerby were the same at the Skylight Inn. That's right. And it's unfortunate because my granddaddy didn't have a succession plan. He didn't, you know, where my business, if I died right now, it would be tomorrow morning before all the staff would probably be made aware of it. But you know what's going to happen? Both of them restaurants are going to open in the morning. And he didn't have it figured. He didn't figure it that way. It was like, and it's, if you go back, it's, it's, it goes back to that. I'm the star of the show. I'm the cornerstone. And it's a bad plan is what it is. Mm-hmm. But that was the way it was. And um, when he got sick, I mean, it was an overnight thing. And... A few months before he got sick, randomly one night, he was leaving, and I was mopping the floor in the front. And he was like, look, I ain't going to be around here forever. And he sat down and just scratched out a few things, I mean, just figures about how he did certain things on a napkin and left. And we closed one Saturday night uh, a few year, well, a few months later. The next morning, I wasn't feeling well, so I went to the doctor. While I'm sitting in the doctor's office, urgent care, my aunt brings my granddaddy in with chest pains. Well, they immediately went from there by ambulance to the hospital. And while we were there in the emergency room, well, we actually in his room in the emergency room, he was going out for his heart cath. And he looked at my dad and he was like, look, until I can get back on my feet, I want him to take care of X, Y, Z. Him being you. That's right. Yeah. And something transpired during his heart cath that I don't know if it starved his brain of oxygen or whatever, but he basically had dementia the rest of his life. And um, he may talk to you for three hours and can name people's children from, you know, five decades ago, and then he liable to see something run across the floor. Or, you know, it was, right. just, it was very weird. And he never returned to the business. And he lived almost two years after that happened. And the sentiment amongst people, that happened in uh, June of 2004. And the sentiment amongst folks were, you know, how's Mr. Jones doing? Let him know we're thinking about him, praying mm-hmm. for him, all that business. And um, we finished 2004 out pretty good. When we come into 05, you know, was when we were starting to ease into a recession anyway, yep. nationally. Um, we were dumb enough not to know that uh, because that business had 
weathered all the recessions prior right. to that. Well, it's you food. Know, People still eat. Right. The 80s were some of the great years for Skylight, mm-hmm. and that was when inflation was terrible. Um, but anyway, so going into 05, uh, I'll back up and say, and I talk about this in the book, that my grandparents, uh, both my grandfather and my grandmother, because she operated a business as well, uh, but they weren't grandparents that I saw at Thanksgiving and Christmas. They were people I saw every single day of my life right. because we all worked together. And so i probably say I was closer to them than most people are with their grandparents. And uh, so we go into 05, and our sales started to dip a little bit. There was a sewer project going on in Aden that closed a road. <laughs> yeah. Literally, it closed the road that our restaurant was That's on. not never a good sign. No, uh, especially when, you know, we're not on the main road. We're Anymore. not convenient to get to. You're on the old Highway 11. Which right. I, and then they, There's you know. two bypasses now. Right. <laughs> uh, around that particular road. Mm-hmm. But uh, so uh, a young lady I had dated for uh, a little over five years at the time also had worked for my grandmama and granddaddy. And boy, they just thought the sun rose and set in her. And she went to work with a doctor's office because she was in school for nursing. And so we come into 05, my granddaddy's mind ain't good. And, you know, we're we're like Ronnie Millsap tapping a cane because he had never taught us anything. I mean, we knew how to to make the food, but as far as running the business. It's a different animal. Right. And I've got my dad and my uncle looking at me. I'm 24 years old. Like, I got all the answers. Right. And... We were just having to figure things out. And then August of 05, she and I were in a car accident. Uh, both of us were thrown from the vehicle, and she died as a result of it. Uh, four months to the day, my grandmother passed. And 61 days later, my grandfather passed. And so in a six-month stretch, I lost a girl that I thought I was going to marry. And both of my grandparents that I work with every single day. Yeah, it's uh, th- there's certainly a lot of adversity of how you tell the story in yeah. the book, not only personally but uh, also with I-, I found fascinating too that you guys cook on wood and fire, but you're, you're big into being the the fire chief in in, in Aden, and that y'all had a fire also at, at Skylight Inn too. So and, I mean, it, and it was during those years. It was uh, 2008 uh, when that happened. And so from 06, we made a little bit of money in 05, 06, 07, 08, and part of nine were thin. Sure. I mean, to the point that, uh, and I shared this in the book, that if the property hadn't been paid for, we'd have probably went out of business. And it's crazy to think, you know, now the way people revere that business, you know, just this benchmark standard of North Car- Eastern North Carolina barbecue at least, um, that it could have been a thing spoken of in historical reference. Right. And we could dwell, I mean, the dark times are dark, but uh, there have been some good times. And, and well, through the tragedy of the car wreck, you also were able to meet your current wife. That's right. And uh, have two beautiful daughters. I mean, and, yeah, and you, you got nominated from some awards and was able to go to New York and kind of Skylight kind of has blossomed through well, that. Well, I was going to say, I don't think you can ever appreciate where you are if you forget about where it was you came. And so I didn't enjoy obviously anybody's lost a life but i also you know i didn't enjoy them times of thin pockets right but i'm glad i did because it changed how i live you know i'm not a 
of a guy with a lot of flair. Um, but, you know, I live conservatively because of that. Because I always say, like the farmers say, the lean years are coming. It's just when. Right. Um, and so those lessons I always say, too, that um, educations don't always come from universities but they're always expensive. That's true. That is very, very true. They come in different forms and fashions. I think one of the things that stood out in the book to me and uh, was one of your other quotes is do as you've always done and get what you always got. I I thought that was very profound and and really kind of led to the transformation of of you starting Sam Jones Barbecue and kind of being pushed a little bit not away from skylight, but kind of a way to uh, you know set up your future for for your family and uh, start a new path with Sam Jones Barbecue. Well, there I mentioned earlier too, Jonathan, that I have been fortunate enough to to be college, get to meet people, but then be true friends with some of the smartest restaurateurs, smartest chefs in the country and in, in our business for that matter, and uh, and we're true friends. And when we opened Sam Jones, there were people in that restaurant working that were big time that nobody here recognized. Right. Um, I mean, I had barbecue people from Nashville, New York, um, Birmingham, Alabama, that were friends of mine that were helping me, uh, making sure that I didn't you know, make a misstep. And uh, just a lot of people that, oh, I, I say in that book, that the turtle don't get on the fence post by himself. That's true. Somebody Very- helped him up there. And uh, I had uh, several people that helped me, but one in particular, uh, Nick Pahakis. Uh, at the time, he was partnered with Jim and Nick's Barbecue, which was under the umbrella of Fresh Hospitality. And uh, he was a true mentor to Michael and I as far as helping us. You know, I'd never opened a restaurant before. Right. I didn't know about it. And uh, also, Skylights was established. That's right. Yeah. And I also thought it was funny that at the time you know it, it's it's weird because sometimes i can be standing lows and i mean which not this year because covid has put a squash sure. on travel and events but i could be standing lows and somebody asked me why you go all over the country cooking barbecue then people ain't coming to the grain for aid to buy barbecue and then when i'm on a tv show they're like hey sam jones on tv sam jones on tv and they can't figure out that there's a line drawn between the two things sure uh, you know, because you meet a lot of people traveling, which opens doors for different avenues of things. Uh, and that's what I was going to ask you. Like you, you talk about it in the book, really, I guess, in 2003, when Skylight was nominated to or won an award mm-hmm. as the American Classics. And uh, you were the only person in the business that decided to go to New York. Well, people think it's well, especially people in my business think it's funny because uh, the James Beard Awards would be like you receiving. I don't even know what the highest award in radio broadcast is but whatever they might is, not have such a thing for our industry <laughs> i'm just kidding whatever it is yeah. uh they liken the james beard awards to the oscars of food sure uh i mean it is a it is the most sought after award in the culinary industry mm-hmm. and we had no idea what the james beard awards was who james beard was or what the gravity of getting that award was you got a call from new york saying hey look and then you, that you guys were going to win it, and you guys and, and you took the the notion to go to New York pretty much on your own. Well, is that where is that where like the, all the networking of, of, of well of began I, at at that particular time? Uh, I was twenty two years old, 
and i went more so to go to new york than i did because i cared about this award it was a free trip to new york i'd never been before and uh that opened my eyes though at because i was sitting you know front row for this big awards and you know it was a big deal and uh you know some actors there and uh i likened it to the you know it was like the country music awards almost right um and so it didn't really change my mind on things but then the southern foodways alliance shot a, a documentary film on us in 08 and after they produced it uh, John T. Edge, who was director of Southern Foodways Alliance, reached out and wanted me to go to Big Apple Barbecue. To, they were going to do a little film screening. Well, I'd never heard of SFA before 08. Had Daggon sure never heard of Big Apple Barbecue. And it takes place, or used to take place, uh, right in uh, Madison Square Park, which is uh, like 24th of Madison. And so I go up there and I walked around that festival there was like 10 pitmasters there and you know the idea of that festival was they bring the best of the best from all over the country where you can walk a city block in new york and eat your way and barbecue across the country and probably a lot of barbecue to new york folks that they're not used to i guess oh yeah, yeah. because i mean back then there won't no barbecue in new york right and but i walked around looking at these people like they were pure rock stars like how in the world we've been cooking barbecue a long time how do you get here mm-hmm. you know all these big rigs and the following year, uh, John T. reached out to me. And you got to figure now, I, like we were friends, I talked to this man like three times. He said, we're doing an event at Charleston Wine and Food, and we would like to show that film and feature your family's food. Well, obviously, my folks won't go in. And I didn't want to because I didn't have the confidence. You know, that was something that nobody in my family had done before. It's outside the comfort zone. Exactly. And like I said, I didn't come from a family that did a lot of empowering. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so I ended up going and doing it. And uh, I'll never forget, I called my dad that night, uh, Mr. Julian Van Winkle, who now I'm friends with, uh, Pappy Van Winkle. Him and his son are just phenomenal folks. But he had underwritten all the bourbon for that event. And the way it was going to work, they were going to, show the film we were gonna bring the hog in the front door and i mean on the line that night in the kitchen was sean brock donald link uh drew robinson pat martin i know three of who i just named the james beard winners yeah. for best chef and then me and sam jones right for maiden down there in the corner and i couldn't even appreciate the company i was in because i didn't know right and uh but I'll never forget, they showed that film, and when they opened the doors and we came in with that hog on a big tray, you know, I don't even know what the tickets were, 75 100 bucks, but it was sold out at 150 or 60-some people, and those people stood to their feet and applauded. And I thought, we've been cooking barbecue a long time to no applause. <laughs> <laughs> this is different. Right. And uh, I called my dad at night, and I was like, there's something to this. I don't know what, but mm-hmm. there's something to this. And he didn't care. Right. But It um, didn't move the needle in Aiden, North Carolina, but it was moving the needle where you were in Charleston. Well, that and in my mind, that mm-hmm. uh, there's an appreciation for what we do five hours away. And uh, that parlayed that particular weekend into 
what was referred to as the Fatback Collective being born, which is those guys I just named. Um, Ashley Christensen is part of that now. Uh, but John T. Edge, Wright Thompson, who uh, does a lot with ESPN. Um, just an immense amount of talent that uh, when we do things now is for charity. Right. Um, and you got, I mean, you have traveled to Hawaii and lots of places and experienced things and, and, and shared Eastern North Carolina barbecue you know, to, to, and exposed it to a lot of people that might not have ever experienced it. Myself and three of my colleagues who were great friends. And I, I know people here locally don't understand how you can be friends with somebody that don't live, you know, right up the road. Uh, but Wayne Miller from uh, Taylor, Texas. Billy Durney from Brooklyn, New York, and Pat Martin from Nashville, Tennessee, all barbecue guys. Uh, but we got hired to go to it's a little town right outside of Helsingborg, Sweden, two years ago. And when we pulled up, they had our state flags flying. Wow, that's pretty cool. And it was, I mean, it was super humbling to be in a, a different country. And they're saying the American flag and then the state flag that represents where each four of us were from. And when I we walked into the facility we were going to be cooking, lo and behold, a grill that I helped design right here that's made in eastern North Carolina was sitting in their smokehouse. Wow. <laughs> Had been shipped to Sweden. That's that's crazy. It, yeah, kinda, I mean, when you reflect on it now, I'm sure it's even like more like fascinating and cool, but just very humbling, I guess, to, 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 to have all that. That and, and those guys had written a book that featured me in it. Uh, a few years before that and i hadn't even cracked a book mm -hmm. it didn't even dawn on me it was right when we first opened sam jones's when they were doing their leg work right and uh but just they treated us like we were kings over there this network has really helped you you mentioned all the people that were here when you opened uh sam jones of that a lot of you know people that were dining with you at the time had no idea who these people were but they were helping you get your restaurant off the ground in winterville but uh one of the people you really appreciate with and, and i thought that was really powerful in the book is your partner michael letchworth that uh, before y'all opened i mean y'all kind of stepped in the back and had a moment to, to each other and are like brothers and uh, have really made this uh new thing sam jones barbecue since 2015 a, a wild success but uh, he's been a been a big part of, of your life as well and where you are yeah well i just turned 40 years old uh saturday uh december the 5th and my sister is very talented uh, she went to school for accounting and that's what she does for a living uh, but she's phenomenal at putting these videos together and she made about a 30-minute film and had reached out to Michael and said, look, get some of his friends to send little videos. And, I mean, Maddie Matheson from Ontario, Canada, to Pat Martin in Nashville, Billy Durney uh, in New York, uh, Nick that helped us open. Uh, but all those guys took time. And when I watched it Saturday, I sit there and just cried like a schoolgirl uh, because, uh, you know, all these guys are super successful. And I know I just missed a bunch of people. Well, I shouldn't name names. Uh, but that our friendship is one of those that they, they stopped what they were doing for a moment to say something kind, uh, you know, for me reaching this milestone or whatever. Uh, but there's so many of them. I could pick up the phone and call and ask a question about the restaurant business and – there's no secrets right you know we're true friends um and 
I, I put out on my social media after because I, mean, I just had oodles and oodles of people here locally and all over the country, you know, wishing me, giving me kind sentiments for hitting 40. And uh, I plagiarized what I heard a guy say uh, sitting at a breakfast table in New York some years ago that wealth was not measured in real estate or, or money, that wealth was measured in the love and relationships that you have with people. And based on that comment, I said, I'm a wealthy man mm-hmm. uh, because I have been fortunate enough that there's not too many cities in this country I can't go to that I don't have a friend, a true friend in. And I can shoot a text message and have a bed to sleep in if I needed it. That's very cool. <laughs> yeah. Very, very, very cool. Sam, of course, in 2018, you were, you were nominated as uh, one of the best chefs in the Southeast by the James Beard uh, foundation which was which is awesome uh, what's what's next for sam jones barbecue you got skylight in still rocking and rolling sam jones barbecue in winterville i know you have some new projects that you're excited about as well we are on track hopefully to um it's been a labor of love to open in raleigh uh, coming get, soon yeah well we it, we've been saying that it seems like forever yes. Uh, I told our PR people a couple weeks ago, I said, I feel like we have just about licked all the red off of this candy (laughs) (laughs) talking about it Uh, because we we submitted all our permits in December of 19. No, excuse me, December of 18. Wow. And so – It's going to be January of 2021 here pretty soon. Exactly. And at this point, I think it's going to be January before we open – uh, we were supposed to be getting an inspection today, as a matter of fact, to get our CO, uh, but that's gotten pushed off a week. So wow. at this point, you know, we would need at least two weeks to train, and we've already got all the management team in place. They've been training here in Greenville since um, the GM has been training since June, and then we rented an apartment here for the other two guys that live up there. Um our front and back of the house management and so uh, i feel really really good about the team that's starting to get assembled and um that particular location when we were building sam jones here in greenville ashley christensen called me one day and she was like she said, there's this building that every time i leave my house and i'm riding the pool's diner mm-hmm. i can just smell smoke coming out of it and your name on the door and i was like well at this point i don't know if i'm gonna be able to open this one but literally three years later an opportunity came for that same building in downtown raleigh yeah and uh it the the guy that owns it i've got to be you know friends with to the point that you know i feel good about doing business with him uh i'm old school when it comes to that i always say you know there's there's legal documents that have to exist in business but your word and a handshake should supersede those documents sure if it needs to right and uh he's a super nice guy and so uh, matter of fact that's where michael is today and uh i always say i'm i'm more the spirit of the business and michael's the backbone uh he's that that guy that gets in the trenches and knocks it out and uh we're kind of each other's yin and yang and uh you need that i've known he, he his little part of that birthday video he said you know we We've known each other now for 19 years. He said, over half of my life and half of yours. And uh, it's crazy when you put it in that perspective. <laughs> yeah, he was 14 years old. I, I read it in the book, yeah. how y'all met each other. Yeah. That's pretty cool. And it's weird because he was so much younger than At my the time. friends. Yeah. And uh, 
but he became he was like our little mascot almost and he hung out with us and whatever we did he wanted to do mm-hmm. and uh he worked with us at skylight for a while then left because uh, he had an opportunity when he was just starting college because he went to school for construction management and uh, then that dried up he come back to skylight and then when he was graduating he had to do an internship and he did it with a construction company here in town they offered him a job and at the time it was when we were in our lean years mm-hmm. and i was like man i can't pay you what they're offering you take the job and uh then once i started traveling doing events he went with me on one and it lit his fire again for cooking and it went for it was just in raleigh um but it really it that one event changed his perspective to where i mean he built a block pit in his backyard and would always bust my chops about how i don't ever cook at home and i was like well it's the difference when you do it for a living right <laughs> absolutely and so not long after we opened his block pit in his backyard grew very cold Mm-hmm. and then he's like i'll give these bricks to anybody who wants to take them <laughs> <laughs> oh man. sam jones of sam jones barbecue and skylight and sam uh, getting ready to open in raleigh hey your book is outstanding it's available at your uh both locations here yep, it, and barnes and nobles and, pretty and much it, anywhere books are sold if folks are listening online they can order on amazon i believe too probably you can get it on amazon you can get it on our website um there's a pile of places you can get it at. Yeah, it's real easy. Whole Hog Barbecue, the gospel of Carolina barbecue. It's what's really cool about it is it tells the history of your family. It's uh, got good stories, um, and then it also has a ton of good recipes. Any, but I can't let you get out of here without talking about the food. What is some of Sam Jones's favorite food or recipes that are in this book? I I was reading the banana pudding recipe that you talked about. Your mom's. Uh, I have to. I need to f- the exact wording you had on it, but it's it's outstanding yeah, the, the way you describe it in there. Um, you know, I, I think food that I'll back up and say I think the experience had with food sometimes is just as important as the bite itself. Um, and I say that, for instance, you know, Skylight, your experience starts when them tires of your vehicle leave the pavement and hit the gravel you get out of your car and you're smelling what's going on in the smokehouses and maybe somebody's coming out and you hear that Mm -hmm. that's all part of the experience yeah whether you realize it or not you know somewhere it's like embedded in your subconscious but it's part of the experience and if you didn't hear it that was the chopping of barbecue exactly you know and, and that's part of the uniqueness of it and it's part of the that identity that's evolved over time mm-hmm. and so if i had to pick my favorite recipe out of that book it's one because of experience um and when i was pulling the recipes together my granddaddy always made a shrimp stew well he called it shrimp stew it was actually a shrimp and scallop stew mm-hmm. i saw that one in there it looked good but, you have great pictures in here too which make it even better <laughs> uh danny colbert from lafayette louisiana is who shot my book for me he's a great friend i've known for years but uh, my granddaddy would always have these dinners, uh, not really once a month, but every few months. And it grew to the point that he couldn't have them at the house anymore. He had to have them at the restaurant. And he would do it on Sundays because the restaurant was closed. And it was always a seafood-centric meal. And he would spend a half a day prepping this shrimp stew. Well, when I'm pulling recipes together for this book, uh, my aunt, inherited the home that my grandma and my granddaddy had and i called her and i said look who's got the shrimp stew recipe i want to include it in this book and she said 
there isn't one. And I got thinking, I was like, well, my Uncle Gerald, who was my grandmother's baby brother, my great uncle, he made it with my granddaddy to Christmas before he died. He died in February. So I reached out to my publisher. I said, look, I got his idea. What about if I get, if my uncle will agree to it, we'll document him teaching me how to make this recipe because the recipe don't exist. And, you know, I also share in my book that my grandfather couldn't read or write. Sure. Yeah. And so even if he did want to convey this recipe and leave it somewhere, he didn't have the ability. Right. And so that's one of my favorite recipes. One, because it's a good dish. But two, that was a family recipe that almost became extinct that now will live forever in the Library of Congress. Right. Absolutely. Right here in the book. And it's one that doesn't include whole hog barbecue. So right. it's a little little different seafood twist. But uh, the picture looks amazing. And I'm sure the food is even better if you get a chance to yeah, have some of that my, shrimp and scallops too. My mother's biscuit pudding, uh, which is in the very back of the book but uh, i actually got in trouble at school one time my grandmama used to make that and basically she would take whatever biscuits was left on the table every meal put them in a ziploc bag put them in the freezer when she got enough biscuits to make this biscuit pudding she would do it you know basically it was a way you know all your stews and stuff like that or ways to repurpose food sure yeah no uh, waste i mean it, from as especially from the generation of your grandparents and parents. There wasn't, like, scraps thrown in the the trash can. Well, I mean, that's where barbecue came from was poor people. Mm -hmm. Um, They figured out how to feed a lot of people economically. Uh, Brisket, for instance, in Texas was a meat wealthy people wouldn't eat at one point in time. Now it's, you know, all the rage. Right, and folks of, you know, lesser fortunate or that were less fortunate figured out, hey, we can do something with that cut of meat. Right, and it's good. (laughs) Right. (laughs) It prepared correctly. uh, that's uh i was saying i got in trouble so my grandmama after we had this thing on sundays that we'd leave church and we'd eat at my grandmama's on my mama's side of the family for lunch and then after church at night we would go to my grandmama granddaddy jones's and i never knew when she was gonna have that biscuit pudding because it was based on how many biscuits was left Mm -hmm. and so anytime she made it she would always make sure that i had a big old square and it with a chocolate and I, it's not a chocolate sauce i call it a chocolate gravy mm, so it's, it's it's leftover biscuits and chocolate is that oh, what yes, it, sir. okay and anyway i went to school that monday and after i ate lunch i broke that square biscuit pudding out and was just getting ready to chow down on it and the guy sitting at my table were like man what is that i was like that's my grandmama's biscuit pudding you know it'll heal you <laughs> and they want to try and i was like sure you can for 50 cent a slice (laughs) (laughs) sam jones the entrepreneur and so i sold it at lunch and somehow got in trouble apparently i wasn't supposed to do that at at school school or with your parents (laughs) (laughs) or both (laughs) that's my first sale of food that was your first first food sale (laughs) was grandma's biscuit pudding (laughs) that's cool what that very good entrepreneur i I guess it was that good that you didn't want to part with it unless you were going to get some money right now i say even now i I got to have either an emotional or financial return if i'm gonna do something (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome sam jones our special guest on the pirate radio podcast today sam uh enjoyed the book always enjoy visiting your your restaurants best of luck to the one opening uh, in raleigh soon anything else uh that where, where people can find you or, or plug uh the the, the website uh, i know you're huge on social media as well yeah so uh our, one of the new things we're doing i don't know when this is going to air but we just put together a, we call it the southern starter kit 
and it's basically there's four seasonings in that kit that will complement pretty much any meat you want to cook from seafood to pork to beef uh, to whatever and so that is something that has been a, a real good seller uh, it's available on our website of course but there's a lot of other retailers that's carrying it and um, as a matter of fact uh, Forbes magazine just named it as one of the good holiday stocking stuffers oh wow it was on their gift guide very uh, just cool. last week and uh, people can find that at samsbbq.com i guess yeah uh, sam, sam jones bbq.com uh you can get pretty much all of our merch yeah and uh, t-shirts caps um skylight in as well matter of fact if you go, if you go to each either website is going to bring you to a landing page where you can either go to skylights or sam jones's um to check out everything we're doing and so um as far as where we're going to be is nowhere because of covid right now right typically you know we'd be at events mm-hmm. all over the country well hopefully soon uh, events will, will start back in the, the next six to 12 months and uh, you'll, oh, yeah. you'll be able to sh- spread the good word about eastern north carolina barbecue and uh, skylight inn and sam jones barbecue to more than just here that get to drive and enjoy it all the time yeah and uh you know i'll say that we have been very fortunate to have the right people uh, to help us in our restaurant. To basically, I always say that you know that employee at the register or colleague at the register may be the first Sam Jones anybody ever meets. And so, you know, we've got to have like-minded people that you know we say yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am. And if you find yourself between the table and the door, and there's a lady there, open the door for her. Right. And uh, we finally built a culture where we've got the right staff they've got the right mind frame as far as how to represent our brand correctly and um i couldn't be more proud of the folks that make up our business because if they couldn't if they didn't do what they do i couldn't do what i do and vice versa and so uh we make a good team and always liking our business to the way i operate in the fire department is i'm the chief but i'm no i can't do my job if somebody don't drive the truck I can't do my job if there ain't somebody to pull the hose off the truck while that guy's pumping it and somebody directing traffic. And, you know, it's a it's a collective effort that takes place uh, to get the job done, and that same thing exists in the restaurants. And that's one difference, I, I will go back and say, between me and my grandfather is I recognize the fact that there's no star to show. You know, the man that runs runs that ball into the end zone – wouldn't be no good if you want somebody blocking for yeah him. the 10 other players had to ha- had something to do with it's that a concerted too. effort yeah. everybody needs a team to be successful and uh you've done a great job and uh congratulations and uh thank you for your time uh, of, of sharing some time with our our listeners today Heck yeah man uh, anytime i enjoy it sam jones uh, our special guest today thanks for being here look forward to uh hearing about all the new things in, in the future and hopefully uh catch up with you again soon uh, about some of the new events you're going to be doing hopefully in 2021 and beyond we'll do another one and i'll we'll call it stories from the road that sounds good i would uh, love to hear some of that they can't be made up that's good <laughs> good stuff sam jones our special guest thanks so much What an awesome episode today with Sam Jones. Did we make you hungry? Barbecue is definitely on my mind. Be sure to go visit Sam Jones Barbecue in Winterville or the Skylight Inn in Aiden and experience some of the best barbecue and food in Eastern North Carolina. 
I really appreciate Sam taking the time out of his busy schedule to join me today. We'll be back very soon with another edition of the Pirate Radio Podcast. In the meantime, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in your Apple Store. In the meantime, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in your Apple Store. Visit our website at pr927fm.com and follow us on social media at pr927fm to keep up with the latest news and information. Until next time, have a great day, everyone. You've been listening to the Pirate Radio Podcast, an exclusive presentation of Pirate Radio, the voice of the Pirate Nation.